My name is Erin Kenny. I am a registered dietitian, holistic cannabis practitioner, and master of nutrition science. Welcome to my podcast, Nutrition Rewired, where I share cutting-edge, practical advice to improve your health and debunk myths to help you rewire the way you think about nutrition and wellness. By listening to this podcast, you agree not to use this podcast as medical advice to treat any medical condition in either yourself or others, including but not limited to patients that you are treating. Consult your own physician for any medical issues that you may be having. In today's episode, I'm going to be talking all about mast cell activation syndrome and histamine intolerance and how imbalances in your gut could be the driver of these unknown symptoms that your doctors have been scratching their heads about. This has also become something that's incredibly prevalent in my practice as we're seeing the results of long COVID. There's research that shows that long COVID symptoms, patients who have long COVID, suffer the same clinical syndrome as patients with mast cell activation syndrome. And I've had numerous clients coming into my office with no answers, and their doctors are not sure how to address this. So today, hopefully you will leave feeling very educated on the topic, how to identify symptoms of mast cell activation or histamine intolerance, what types of testing, if any, are going to be relevant in diagnosis, and some natural remedies to support your body if this is something that you're struggling with. Histamines are one type of mediator that are released by our mast cells during the inflammatory immune response when we are in contact with certain allergens, whether it's environmental allergens or food allergens. In a healthy individual, these mediators are actually perfectly protective and help to heal our body. In a case of mast cell activation syndrome, on the other hand, this is when histamines are in hyperdrive. So in other words, we need histamine in the body, but it's when too much is when we start to have these symptoms. And there are many different parts of the body, many different imbalances, chronic inflammation, gut imbalances that lead to excess production of histamine. So we could have excess production of histamine, which could also be contributed by the mast cells, but we could also have issues with getting rid of histamine. So you can think of a bucket And we have a histamine bucket. Each individual person has a bucket. And we can only fill up this bucket so much that when it starts to overflow is when we'll start to experience histamine intolerance or symptoms associated. So things like allergies, itchy skin, insomnia, brain fog, digestive symptoms. If you have seasonal allergies, this is probably really resonating with you. We can also have problems with clearing histamine in the body. So maybe your bucket's full and you're having a hard time with different detox pathways to help get rid of histamine in the body. So let's talk about the symptoms of histamine intolerance, which again can be a result of mast cell activation syndrome. Remember, histamine intolerance can be a subset underneath the diagnosis of mast cell activation syndrome. So we have these receptors in our body, and they are receptors for histamine, and that's why the symptoms can range from brain disturbances to lungs to our nerves and our heart, even our menstrual periods. So for starters, our brain has receptors for histamine. So if you struggle with insomnia, this could be related to excess histamine. 
actually histamine acts like a neurotransmitter in our brain. I notice this especially when my seasonal allergies start to pick up. I have a really hard time falling asleep at night. You might also experience things like ringing in your ears, excess anxiety, and headaches. We also see these receptors in the stomach. And this is a lot of what I see in my practice because people usually come to me knowing that I specialize in digestive health. Too much histamine in the gut or the stomach can cause acid reflux, heartburn, diarrhea, and bloating. This is why things like famotidine, which are H2 blockers, work on the histamine blocking receptors in the stomach and might resolve your symptoms. However, they might not be addressing the root cause. These receptors can also influence our nose, so we might have sneezing and congestion. We might notice skin issues, things like eczema. Let's say you drink a kombucha, for example, which is very high in histamine. You might start to feel like your blood vessels are swelling, your skin is getting very hot, very itchy. That's a sign of histamine intolerance. We also see these receptors influencing the lungs, so constriction the lungs, asthma-type symptoms. We see changes in heart health, so palpitations, high blood pressure, possibly even things like low blood pressure. I see histamine greatly impacting the reproductive system. I work with women who have incredibly heavy periods, painful cramps, especially around certain times of their cycle, and this is because Estrogen and progesterone influence histamine levels in the body, and progesterone actually influences an enzyme that helps us break down histamine. So if you have low progesterone, for example, relative to estrogen, you're more likely to experience these symptoms of histamine intolerance. Interestingly enough, symptoms tend to improve during pregnancy, for example, because the body is in a high progesterone state. In addition to that, the placenta actually produces DAO enzyme, which we'll talk about further down here in this episode, and that enzyme helps to degrade histamine. Thought that was a pretty cool fact. I was actually joking with a client last week who said, you know, if I have to get pregnant to resolve these issues, that's what I'll do because she felt amazing during her pregnancy related to all the symptoms she was experiencing. A big red flag for me from a patient is if they say that they have year-round allergies and they're chronically using things like Zyrtec over-the-counter to help manage their symptoms. But again, that's not treating the root cause. So let's talk about the two enzymes that break down histamine in our body. The first one is called the DOA enzyme, and this enzyme is present in the gastrointestinal tract. In intolerance, we have low levels of DOA that are found as a result of someone having lots of inflammation or imbalances in the gut. We see these histamines start to accumulate because you don't have this enzyme breaking them down. The second enzyme is present inside of our cells. And this enzyme is called the HNMT, which stands for histamine and methyltransferase. This regulates the histamine inside of our cells, not related to our gut. So let's talk about how disruptions in our gut microbiome can be a major root cause of histamine intolerance. 
Starting with just general gut overgrowths, bacterial overgrowths, these bacteria can actually consume, they can eat that DAO enzyme that's needed to degrade the histamine in our digestive tract. Bloating is the number one symptom that I see in my practice, but I also see patients dealing with chronic constipation and diarrhea. SIBO is a very common root cause of histamine intolerance. When we have SIBO, this small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, we see damage to the enzymes on the lining of our small intestine. And this is really important because on the edge of these cells, we have this really important glycoprotein layer that supports food digestion. In SIBO, the bacteria actually eat this nice glycoprotein layer that we love and the DAO enzyme. Other imbalances, there are certain types of bacteria that are actually histamine producers. And this is always really helpful when we're doing the stool tests in my practice to assess whether patients have high levels of these histamine-producing bacteria. Certain bacteria, including Morganella, Proteus, Enterobacter, Enterococcus, Citrobacter, Pseudomonas, and certain types of Lactobacillus. We also see excess histamine production with Candida. We see it with leaky gut. With leaky gut, histamine can actually then pass from our gut into our bloodstream, and this can cause our mast cells to actually release more histamine in the circulatory system. So this is where the digestive symptoms now are exacerbating systemically, and we're starting to see more of the eczema, you know, hair falling out, things like dizziness, ringing in your ears, heart palpitations, because leaky gut allows these compounds to move from the gut into our blood. There's also research that shows that in inflammatory bowel disease, we also see associations with histamine intolerance strongly linked to imbalances in the gut microbiome, influencing that DAO enzyme. And IBS, which I don't love the term irritable bowel syndrome because the diagnosis is so broad, but lots of histamine levels correlate with abdominal pain levels in patients who have IBS, and SIBO is a root cause of about 70% of patients who have IBS. So if you have IBS, you should always be evaluated for small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. And then gluten sensitivity has also been associated with a DAO enzyme deficiency. So even if a patient doesn't have SIBO or doesn't have candida overgrowth, there are still imbalances in the gut that contribute to our production of histamine, the amount of DAO enzyme that we have, our ability to clear histamine, and the influence that histamine can have passing from our gut into our circulatory system. So the gut is always going to be an area that should be addressed with histamine intolerance or mast cell activation syndrome. Outside of the involvement of the gut microbiome in possible causes of mast cell activation syndrome, it usually isn't just one thing. There's usually a combination of different factors, including things like genetics, diet, the total toxin load that the person has, things like mold exposure, and even certain nutrient deficiencies like vitamin D, B12, different nutrients that are really important for our detoxification pathways in our body. 
So it's really important that we address clients from a very holistic approach. So how do we diagnose mast cell activation? Mast cell activation disorder is an umbrella term that encompasses both mastocytosis and mast cell activation disorder. Mast cell activation syndrome is different from mastocytosis. Mastocytosis, which we're not covering in depth today, is a rare disorder characterized by accumulating too many mast cells in the organs. When we're diagnosing mast cell activation syndrome, it's very complex, and doctors don't just rely on one test, but they take into account symptom presentation, medical history, blood or urine testing for elevated levels of mediators, and they might also have patients trial something like a low histamine diet. Now, the challenge is, is there are over 200 mediators released when our mast cells degranulate, but only a few of these are things we can actually measure. The first test is called the tryptase test, and this is useful in determining mast cell activation and very accurate when a person is in a flare. But if somebody is not in a flare, their tryptase levels might look completely normal. We might also be testing histamine, which is that chemical released by our white blood cells when the immune system is defending a potential antigen. However, again, if someone is not in a flare, these histamine levels might be back down to baseline. So really, the best way to diagnose is to look at a multitude of different factors, including the gut microbiome testing that we use in my practice, nutrient deficiencies, other inflammatory molecules in the body like C-reactive protein. We might also be testing for things like heavy metals or mold, depending on a person's case and their way of describing when these things started to happen. So for example, if a patient had food poisoning or you know had some type of life event, these are all cues of where we can kind of start digging in that patient's blood work or other functional lab testing. Now I'm going to go over some natural dietary supplements that can help support patients who are struggling with either mast cell activation or histamine intolerance. Some natural antihistamines include quercetin and acetylcysteine, nettle, and bromelain. These are stabilizers of mast cells. Also, supplements like digestive enzymes can be really helpful when a patient has mast cell activation or histamine intolerance because they can prevent symptoms like bloating, help us to absorb nutrients, reduce inflammation, and break down the proteins, fats, and carbs that we need for optimal health. We might also use something like the DAO enzyme. This is often made for, from porcine kidneys, and natural food source that we can find it in is sprouted legumes. There are other cofactors for the DAO enzyme, things like B6, vitamin C, magnesium, zinc, and copper, which a lot of people are depleted in, especially when I'm doing hair mineral analysis testing with my patients. Vitamin D plus K2 is always essential for proper immune regulation, so we always optimize blood levels. Certain probiotics have been shown to be really helpful for histamine intolerance. For example, S. Bilardi, which is a yeast-based probiotic, helps to support histamine. And higher levels of bifidobacteria have been shown to support patients who are struggling with gut imbalances and histamine intolerance. 
it's important to note that there are certain types of probiotics that can actually increase histamine in the body just because they naturally produce histamine on their own. For example, there are different strains of lactobacillus that can actually exacerbate symptoms of histamine intolerance. So you always want to work with a professional to help personalize your probiotic experience. There are certain medications like NSAIDs, non-steroidal anti-inflammatories like ibuprofen, antibiotics like amoxicillin, amalgmentin, opiates. These medications, including alcohol, can block the DAO enzyme. So really important that if you're struggling with this condition or these symptoms, that you try to avoid these as much as possible. And quite frankly, these are also incredibly hard on our gut microbiome. So let's talk about how our diet is related to the histamine levels in our body. Foods fall into three categories. They either are high in histamine naturally, they inhibit the enzymes that degrade histamine, or they increase the release of histamine from mast cells. So foods that are high in histamine are going to include foods like aged and fermented foods, sauerkraut, aged cheeses and vinegars, cured and processed meats, canned and smoked fish, fruits like pineapples, bananas, mushrooms, soybeans, lentils, peanuts. Although important to note when it comes to vinegars, apple cider vinegar is an exception. Leftover foods, as food sits longer, histamine continually increases. Other high histamine foods include spinach, eggplant, avocado, tomatoes, certain nuts like almonds, and alcohol. Alcohol in particular reduces the activity of that DAO enzyme in the intestines, as I mentioned, because they actually compete for the same enzyme to be broken down. So a lot of times when patients come to me, they're doing things to try to improve their gut health on their own. They're drinking kombucha, they're eating more fermented foods, they're trying to incorporate lots of fruits and vegetables, and they're finding that they're feeling worse. And that's because these foods are inherently great for our gut, but they're not great if you're dealing with an underlying root cause. Then there are those foods that can release histamine, things like citrus fruits, strawberries, coffee, black tea, chocolate. These can be a huge issue with people who have histamine intolerance. So if you notice that you're getting really bloated or stuffy nose or very itchy after eating things like fermented foods or aged cheeses, that might be a sign to you that you're on the right track for determining your diagnosis. The gold standard for addressing this from a dietary perspective is to have clients follow a low histamine diet for two weeks. The key here is two weeks. I have had clients come to me from seeing some of the top gurus out there when it comes to gut health or autoimmune disease, and they've been following a restrictive low histamine diet for months or even longer, which is incredibly concerning to me. Not only is that not good for your mental health, but you're not going to be feeding those beneficial bacteria, all the while you're not even addressing the root cause of what's going on. So the gold standard is a low histamine diet for two weeks to see if a client's symptoms improve so that we can make the diagnosis, and then we address the root cause, as mentioned, addressing gut health, toxin load, 
other different testing that might rule out certain conditions like inflammatory bowel disease or autoimmune disease to make sure that nobody is on a restrictive diet for that period of time. So what are the steps that you should take if you suspect that histamine intolerance or mast cell activation could be part of your health picture? Step one is to make sure that you rule out any allergies before diagnosing histamine intolerance. This is an IgE antibody blood test. The most common allergies include wheat, dairy, soy, eggs, peanuts, fish, tree nuts, and shellfish. You should also rule out environmental allergies. Step two is to keep a food journal. Again, if you're getting a stuffy nose right after eating fermented foods, for example, this is something that you should start to take note of. Step two is to follow a low histamine diet for two weeks if you've started to notice on your food record that those foods might be a big trigger for you. And make note to your provider if you feel better on this diet. Working with your provider, you can also address tryptase and histamine or other mediators if that is appropriate in your case. SIBO and GI map testing are what come next on my to-do list with my clients. This way we know if we're dealing with bacterial overgrowth or dysbiosis, understanding that gut health almost always plays a role in the health picture. If you do have SIBO or gut imbalances, we'll use things like herbal antimicrobials like berberine and allicin and oregano. These natural antimicrobials can help us get rid of small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. We can address candida with natural antifungals. Or if you have leaky gut, we can use things like L-glutamine and mucilaginous herbs like slippery elm, marshmallow root. We can repair with zinc carnosine and possibly immunoglobulins as well. In addition to this testing, we're going to address the diet. So you should start these things no matter where you're at, avoiding non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, removing alcohol and excess sugar intake, and making sure that you're addressing your stress levels in your life. So I hope this episode was helpful. I have worked with so many patients who have mast cell activation syndrome or histamine intolerance, and I've really helped work with their providers to help them provide a more holistic approach to making sure that their resolve of symptoms is long-term and addressing the root cause. That is such a key part in addressing this diagnosis. So if you're interested in working one-on-one with me or you're interested in the group coaching program, you can go to nutritionrewired.com. But thanks for tuning in. And as always, don't forget to share the health.